Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey there, welcome back, Solar Warriors, to another episode of Suncast and another entry in the catalog of Impact Positive. I'm thrilled that you've chosen to spend your time here with us today, and I say us in particular because I'm joined in Impact Positive by my friend and cohort, John Bonanno, who you'll get an intro from in just a moment. If you're unfamiliar with Impact Positive, please go back and check out the intro episode that John and I did way back in episode 153, just ahead of the first Impact Positive with Catherine Rezaian. Of course, the second Impact Positive with Sandra Kwok. Today, we are going to introduce you to an entrepreneur, Sashir Garamella, out of India, who has started one of the first rooftop-focused solar financing institutions. Sashir has a fantastic story, and I'm certain you're going to enjoy it. We'll let him tell you more. The intro is forthcoming. For now, get ready for another Impact Positive here on Suncast. All right, Solar Warriors, welcome back for another Impact Positive. Here we are today with our latest entrepreneur, Sashir Garamella of Sunvest Capital, and of course, my co-host, John Bonanno. John, how are you doing? Good morning. How are you, Nico? How are you, Sashir? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Again, for those of you who are just joining us, perhaps for the first Impact Positive, John, why don't you give us the rundown on the theme and focus of Impact Positive? Impact Positive is about storytelling and partnership with diverse clean energy change-making entrepreneurs who we feel are voices that we need to amplify, whether that's clean energy entrepreneurs that happen to be women or from regions that are traditionally not focused on or people of color or have different sexual preferences. If we're going to be successful in really transitioning the entire economy to a non-fossil economy, we need to represent the society in which we serve. And so I think bringing that voice up is super important. So we're grateful to have Sashir on the show today. I'll give you a bit of background. Sashir is a solar entrepreneur with more than a decade of experience around solar development, as well as financing in India and abroad. We'll talk a bit about his finance background, his time uh, outside of India, and what drew him back to that country, his homeland. He's been in the Indian solar industry since 2011, itself an amazing feat, given that that's the nascent beginnings of the industry for many here in more developed countries like the United States and and even in China. And he was recently named amongst the 40 under 40 most promising business leaders in the solar industry, not just in the India solar industry. We're really excited to have an opportunity to learn more about your experience, but more importantly, learn about the internal drive that created such a strong belief for you and the potential of consumer solar 
to drive economic and social development in your home country. So if you would, would you give us a quick overview about how you first got exposed to the solar industry or clean energy uh, writ large and how you knew this was where you wanted to focus the next stage of your career? Uh, Saniko, I've been brought and brought up in India, but I spent 10 years outside India. The first six were in Canada and the, the next four were in the UK. Right after my graduate school in the UK, I did an internship at a German private equity fund. And uh, their only investment at that point of time was a solar inverter company. So when um, we were analyzing, you know, a lot of the stuff around the investment, uh, somehow there was a hunch that, you know, solar is something that sort of struck a chord with me. This is way back in 2009, 9, 10. And, you know, India has a very interesting energy situation. You've got... I mean, we're one of the top, I think, three third of the fourth largest energy consumers in the world. But there are 300 million people who don't have any access to energy. Where I am right now in Mumbai, some folks are paying as high as 20, 25 cents to a kilowatt hour. So that dichotomy is something that's very exciting. And, uh, you know, India has a lot of sun. I don't think anybody can dispute that. So somehow I had, uh, you know, some sort of a hunch that, you know, this is perhaps a great area of work to pursue. I uh, didn't uh, act on, on that particular hunch immediately. I spent a few years doing investment banking. But in 2011, I decided that you know enough is enough and it's about time. I was also at that age where I could take that risk of coming back to India. I'd spent 10 years abroad. And you know, once you sort of get older, it's hard to move back. So at that point of time, I said, you know, let's take this risk. And I came back to India. So that's really how it all started. It was a hunch because of uh, working in that space in 2012 onwards is when the journey in India started. So when you moved back to India, how did you decide where to focus your attention and time? Did you move back with a fixed idea or a job or did you move back with the decision that you wanted to start a solar company? How did you make that first step? Now that's a great question because, uh, you know, back in the day when you moved uh, back to India from abroad without a job, just because you were passionate about something, it's, it's, not a, it's not an answer people typically hear in job interviews, you know, uh, that I just uh, left everything and came back because I'm interested in something. But that's really what it was. I mean, there were two companies in India at that point of time which were doing solar financing. Just to give you a background, I think solar financing on a utility scale level started in late, uh, latter part of the decade, you know, 2009, 10. And uh, by about uh, 11, 12, there were some use cases and there were some, uh, you know, uh, there was a bit of a book that was built uh, by the lenders. So I worked at LNT Infrastructure Finance, which at that time it was, and I think even today it is India's largest renewable energy financier. Only one of the two companies that I applied to because it was, you know, an amalgamation of my previous finance experience as well as my interest in solar I mean, 2012 to 15, three years I spent at LNT Infrastructure Finance. Great organization. LNT as a brand itself in India is a phenomenal place to learn behemoth when it comes to information and knowledge, but particularly LNT Infra was a very knowledge driven organization. So I had a great time, met a lot of people, networked in the industry, and these were early days for solar. 11, 12 was very early in India. But to answer your question, the intention of coming back and thinking about it was from a, you know, from a rural or an energy access point of view. But I still feel that the business models around energy access in India, you know, the rural markets are still sort of yet to be fully uh, tapped into from a pure uh, business uh, model point of view. So at that point of time, it was a bit too early. But while I was doing the utility scale stuff at LNT, I realized that there is a very clear opportunity 
for rooftop solar. And the reason why consumer solar got interested is because I always wanted to build a firm that was more consumer facing, you know, end, end consumer problem solving rather than a government or a utility and infrastructure kind of a thought process. And 2015, when I started SunWest, is also the time when the net metering regulations came in. Sort of the universe conspired, you know, the regulations came in, the startup boom in India sort of took off. So a lot of things happened around 2015, 16, which bore well to the to the interest and the story that, you know, the vision then and the vision now has been that every roof in India, every home and every business has the potential to go solar. So so that that is something that's been in my mind right from day one. I'm happy to be living the dream. You know, having had work experience in London in the financial markets as well, I can understand how that could have been very enticing to stay for a, an indefinite period of time. Um, bravo to you for following your heart and going back to your home country to develop solar at a time where you were really an early mover. You know, I have experience with Azure Power and working with Indipreet Wawa at the beginning of him building that company. And it was uh, hard yards, to say the least. So applause to you. Just to give everyone a little bit of level set, India as a country has 1.3 billion people and World Bank is expecting that 1.7 of them will be in the world by 2050. So right around the corner in the energy business and the current prime minister, uh, Mr. Modi, is very supportive of solar and solar rich storage. But that's really been mostly a utility scale conversation and your work obviously reflects that the work you've done in India but now we're pivoting to rooftop can you talk us through a little bit about sunvest's typical customer experience from how you're acquiring customers right through to the O&M ongoing customer experience yeah john so you know a large part of the media and the investing that has gone into india uh, the gigawatts also have been the utility scale projects uh, wind solar hydro uh, but the opportunity that is still at large and uh, not been tapped into is the rooftop solar market now within the rooftop solar market there are two uh, essential uh, parts right one is the large cni which is your 2 300 kilowatts and above you know the fortune 500 companies with their factories in india or the large listed companies you know, well-rated companies. So that's one market, which again is, I think, a fairly uh, established market now. There are four or five large players with private equity money. However, the small consumer solar, as I say, you know, sub 150, 200 kilowatts, you know, your 300 million homes in India or your uh, 10, 15 million SMEs, micro, small and medium enterprises, that market is still absolutely an opportunity that has really not been looked at. In 2015, when we started, net metering played a big role in uh, sort of, uh, you know, allowing that uh, small scale market to take off. So when we started off at SunWest, you know, the idea was to sort of be, you know, the person who's bringing uh, capital and the technology to the customer. And between bringing capital and technology, we thought it's easy to start an EPC. So we started an installation company uh, back in 2015. And at that point of time, I realized that, you know, the market was so early that you know, a lot of the supply chain that is there today wasn't there. A lot of the solar equipment people that now sell panels, inverters, the entire supply chain was sort of missing at that point of time. But when the team was installing projects from 2015 onwards, I spent a significant amount of time with bankers and lenders and NBFCs, as they say in India, the non-bank finance companies, trying to persuade them that, you know, anything in India which costs over a certain amount of money, you know, a couple of thousand dollars 
has something called EMI, like a mortgage, right? And somehow solar was something that still did not have a loan product. There could be a lot of reasons that the banks argued, you know, still very new, that the technology has not been evaluated, the market's not deep enough because metering, net metering concepts were also sort of fairly, they hadn't really spent uh, much time in the market, the bankers themselves to, to sort of take comfort. So from 2015 to 18, I spent the time trying to convince bankers, including uh, some of my previous organization that I was associated with, you know, saying that, you know, why don't we look at an end consumer financing option? Because if you do not provide that EMI facility to the end consumer, it'll be very difficult for them to afford the high cost of solar that was there. And now that, you know, the costs are falling, but even now the, the price point for a residential or an SME to afford for a fairly new asset with about a five-year-old history in India is still fairly high, right? So in 2018, we made the journey from banks saying, great idea, but we're not interested in, you know, back in the day to a point where they signed MOUs and LOIs, but Really, no capital had flown to the end consumer as you know a loan product. So in 2018, we made a conscious decision that installation as a business is not going to be scalable by itself, and we need to probably pivot ourselves because we understand the uh, you know the delivery end of the model fairly well through our installation experience. So in 2018, we decided that you know we are going to get a NBFC license, so get a lending license you know, move away from an installation company to a financing company. So the context to your question about customer acquisition and that journey is still, uh, you know, very much similar in terms of how the process works. But the fact is that our journey went from an installation company to a financing company largely because financing is a massive bottleneck, which nobody has addressed. And I see a clear market gap there that we can capitalize on. It's uh, very interesting that a year, just a year ago, SunVest pivoted from doing mostly the delivery side with uh, trucks and warehousing materials <laughs> and things like this to now focusing as a non-bank financing enterprise in India focused on clean energy asset finance. It's, it's just remarkable. And talk to us a little bit about this uptick that you're seeing now, 300 million rooftops, I think is what you mentioned just before. That's a gobsmacking number of rooftops. Tell us a little bit about the recent traction. The recent traction is that over the last one year, a lot of the time just went off in setting up the, uh, you know, the, uh, the firm. And we first applied to the Reserve Bank of India and we got a lending license. After that, we won a India, US India Clean Energy Finance Grant, uh, which allowed us to work with some of the top advisors in the consulting business uh, legal and consulting business to help us with the credit, fintech, the loan agreements and all of that. So a, a large part of the last year, uh, 2019, has gone off in setting it up. But happy to let you know that we've opened a shop a few weeks back and now we are uh, open to business and we are evaluating a first set of loans. It seems to me that the markets I've seen, you know, from the US to Europe to Latin America, as companies mature, continue to run into increasingly focused or concentrated logjam around customer acquisition cost. I wonder if that's true as well in India as the cost to actually install, you know, your previous role, actually installing the product as that cost has gone down, a big focus has gotten really focused globally around how do you acquire more customers? And a lot of that comes around awareness of 
the need for this or the opportunity for solar as an alternative to centralized power generation as a paradigm that we're trying to break globally. Is the story, so to speak, of green power and savings and climate change still relevant in India the way it is becoming persistent in uh, other parts of the world? And what steps are you taking to break through to the local consumer with that message? Sure. In 2015, when we started, folks would call up and say, what's rooftop solar? I've heard that you can sell power back to the utility. How does that work? Today, they call up and say that these are the number of kilowatts I want to put on rooftop and tell me your price point, you know, or tell me what loan interest rate are you going to be offering? So the market has seriously matured over the last sort of four or five years. And that's largely because at the top, at the government level, there is a lot of strong intention to go solar. At the bottom, uh, in the market, in the field, there are lots of players now who are trying to, you know, push this as a sector. So obviously, there is a lot of momentum that the business has uh, taken up in the last four years. But we're still, you know, we're still far away from where we should be. Now, to answer your question around what are the drivers, look, climate change and green should be the driver. Top 10 out of the 15, if my stats are right, and the top 10 out of the 15 or 15 out of the top 20 most air polluted cities in the world are in India, you know, and unfortunately, John knows India well, you know, Bangalore and Chennai is praying for rains, while, uh, you know, Mumbai and some parts of Maharashtra are absolutely flooded. So, you know, climate change is uh, real, uh, very real in India. The reality is that a lot of consumer awareness has to go on in realizing that this is not a country problem that doesn't affect you. It is a problem that affects us. Uh, So it's just offbeat. You know, I grew up in Delhi in the 90s and early 2000s where there was probably really, really bad air, but nobody really spoke about it at that time. But I caught up an allergic rhinitis. And, uh, you know, I have struggled with it all my life. When I go to Delhi, I sneeze. And, you know, it's some bodies react to uh, things faster than others. But the climate change issues that India is dealing with are very real. But somehow that is still not the driver for buying solar. We are a cost-conscious country. The driver that you know people use for marketing and for customer acquisition is still largely savings. And in certain parts of India, there is a three-year payback on your solar system. On a, on a very good quality system, you could get your money back in three to four years on a 25-year asset. I think that's a very good financial deal, no matter what you think about green and the environment. So a lot of improvements have gone in customer acquisition. However, A lot needs to be done. We haven't even scratched the surface yet because the common man still doesn't understand the importance of solar, either from an economic perspective or from a green perspective or a climate change perspective. And both of those things have to be drilled in. And some of the things that we have done, uh, John's party to a lot of that, uh, you know, I've shared with him is that we've done road trips for the U.S. consulate in Mumbai. We've done a lot of video campaigns. We've done a lot of customer digital marketing, a lot of content marketing ourselves to sort of get to the... Uh, to the customer and to tell them that this is something good that you're doing, not only for your pocket, but also for the environment and for the country. So sure, this is uh, amazing backstory. It seems like a bottleneck is certainly the awareness to the population, but the savings that people can experience with a three-year payback should be a slam dunk. And I think that this is why you've, you've gone after SunVest as a financing organization. You know, my experience at New Energy Nexus, and, and we are deploying capital, grant capital into India, it's extremely complicated to get foreign capital into the market. It's a two-part question. The first is, why are 
India-based sources of capital not jumping more largely into this financing business and supporting something like SunVest, or maybe they are, and you need to shed light on that. And and how can Western money enter efficiently into the market and either fund startups or fund projects? I think California got on this, uh, you know, US, California in particular, and Germany, Japan, they got on the solar story far, far ahead of uh, you know, it could have been political leadership that wanted to change. It could have been the people who wanted to change. But they got ahead of the solar story far ahead of India. So for, for a company like SunVest, or I actually can take the liberty of speaking for all clean tech entrepreneurs that are very early stage. You know, not, not as your, not those guys who are like very big. But, you know, the smaller guys working in energy efficiency, solar, wind, micro hydro, energy, uh, you know, storage, for data analytics, for all of us, uh, you know, the ecosystem of early stage capital is still missing. Now, is there money in India? Of course there is, but a lot of the investors understand and have seen a pedigree on tech, e-commerce, uh, mobile, SaaS. So, so that's traditionally where the early stage capital goes. And John, mind you that clean energy is also, uh, you know, some of the things that we're doing are capital intensive. So your early stage tickets are not like a million, two million. You can't prove much in that. So it's a combination of a couple of things. It's very early in the market. So which investor would want to take a risk with that? Ideally, it would be somebody who's actually seen something like this before, right? So probably one of those countries that we refer to. Second is um, if the Indian investors have seen returns in a certain space like tech, then they may want to deploy the capital there uh, as opposed to uh, particularly clean tech. And the third and the most important thing is, you know, the ticket sizes are large. It, require, it requires patient capital. You know, it takes time to uh, get your money back or even get an get a alpha on your return. So I think all of those things put together, uh, I still believe that a missing link in the clean tech ecosystem in India is early stage funding. The kind of the question I have, Sashir, maybe you can help me with the right way to phrase this is given that the World Bank supported a $625 million loan to India to support rooftop only, and you still in 2018 had to pivot to be one of the companies that could begin channeling that financing, you just stated that startup capital is the, is the missing link. It's not clear to me how that startup capital would have otherwise begun to flow and who it goes to. There are lots of installers in India, right? Yeah, there are more installers than solar systems that are in India. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of competition. It's a very easy business to get into. Let me tell you a little bit about the World Bank loan, right? Uh, it, okay. it, it is a $625 million that went to State Bank of India. Now, State Bank of India is the largest uh, lender in the country. Of course, for a large lender to go to, the, to every single uh, customer and try to convert uh, you know, a loan is probably very difficult from a customer acquisition point of view. A 10 kilowatt system or a 100 kilowatt or a megawatt system requires the same amount of effort, right? So one of the reasons why the capital, and I'm not pointing out just one uh, bank here, but a lot of the banks, they have a strong intention to do rooftop solar. They perhaps even have a mandate uh, to some extent to do solar. But the, you know, to come out of their current way of thinking uh, and, and come out with a completely new solar loan product, they may feel that the market is fairly nascent for that. So that's where the opportunity is for specialized uh, lending companies like ourselves, who could perhaps uh, access some of that last mile uh, customer acquisition. And we've done a lot of that. So we sort of know the ropes there. And we sort of build the book ourselves and then go to these larger institutions for a refinance or a securitization 
So the capital's there, but the capital's not flowing directly from them to the end consumer, and that's largely because of customer acquisition costs and uh, you know a lot of uh, you know myriad of other reasons where a specialized NBFC can play a role. Now, as far Perfect. as you know, India-specific issues that I would want to speak about is that a three-year or a four-year payback is only in one or two states in India. Uh, you know, when you start looking at other states, and and electricity is a concurrent subject on the constitution where both the elector, the state as well as the center have rules about it. So fundamentally, what I'm trying to get at is that your rules change from state to state, electricity tariffs change from state to state, because of which the economic state change from state to state. So while the regulations are there, the technology is there, the supply chain is there, the bankers look at all of this and say, it's still fairly new for me. It's still, you know, the demand is not large enough for me to spend my bandwidth on. So that's really where an opportunity for a specialized NBFC or a lending entity comes in. And we have not even, this is not just solar, you know, uh, John, Miko, we've seen this in microfinance. We've seen this in education loans. We've seen this in non-solar subject, you know, health, affordable financing. We've seen this across multiple sectors wherein specialized NBFCs have come and, uh, you know, targeted certain markets which uh, mainstream lenders may want to, you know, maybe take a dig at at a later stage. So Shear's using a term NBFC, which means non-bank financial company. I just want to make sure that's clear before we move on for those who maybe don't understand that acronym. I've always thought that commercial solar should have an easy button for financing, just like residential solar. But credit ultimately has been the gating item until now. Energetic insurance levels the playing field so that project developers can now offer the same electricity savings to small and medium businesses that were previously reserved for the large commercial buyers in the U.S. Their NRATE credit cover policy provides the missing link, or that easy button I mentioned earlier, for commercial solar. It's basically the FICO score that we're so familiar with in residential solar. And it enables savvy developers and investors to quickly finance commercial solar projects. Don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. Go to energeticinsurance.com forward slash suncast and submit your projects today. What do you got to lose? 70% of projects qualify and the review process is drop dead easy. Go hit the easy button on commercial solar at energeticinsurance.com forward slash suncast. Hey, Warrior, question for you. Are you losing commercial solar sales because of high demand charges that minimize return on investment? Extensible Energy's DemandX software is an affordable new solution for reducing peak demand charges by 30%. No batteries required. Extensible's intelligence software analyzes solar production, utility rates, weather data, and more. Then it crunches the data, monitors solar and flexible loads, and automatically reduces peak demand spikes, increasing your customer's ROI and decreasing payback time. Contact Extensible Energy at extensibleenergy.com for a free demand charge analysis for your project. Learn how Extensible's partner program for commercial solar installers can put more opportunities and money back in your balance sheet. I really would like to get a little more about the social and diversity aspect of not only SunVest, but at large, because we've seen bare, barefoot solar be a very successful energy access program started and run mostly by women. And it would be interesting, I think, to, to understand a little bit more about not only SunVest's push into the social aspects of their work and also their diversity, but also what they're seeing across the spectrum in clean energy companies. 
Yeah, John, apart from economics, I think social and environmental aspects are super critical for solar. You know, I can speak on behalf of my colleagues that I know someone doing uh, solar Sahelis, which is something similar to Solar Mamas, you know, in, in uh, Rajasthan. She's doing really well. Ajayta Shah, I think you would, I know Selco that's doing tremendous work in Karnataka. Simpa is another company that's doing great work. I mean, I can name a, a lot more companies, but these are some that come to our mind that are doing really strong energy access work uh, in solar. Uh, and, and there are a lot of other companies trying to do stuff at the grassroots level, which is very inspiring. Uh, from our perspective, I think, uh, you know, the biggest problem that we're solving is the productivity. You know, when a business puts solar on their roof and saves money, it gives an employment opportunity to a lot of people in the ecosystem, not only solar, but also the money that they save, the business can hire more people. You know, we have customers who've told us that if they save couple hundred dollars a month, you know, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars rupees, uh, they can hire an extra home help. Clearly, cost saving leads to enhanced productivity. SMEs are the growth drivers of India's, uh, you know, industrial uh, revolution and uh, any amount of money that they can save on their bottom line. And for what? For just, you know, putting solar panels and uh, producing power uh, in a country which has a lot of sunlight. So I think that has a direct impact on employability as well as productivity for these businesses. And uh, we are not even getting into carbon mitigation because that's an absolute no-brainer when it comes to uh, the benefits of solar. Right. I mean, you, you think about solar and you think, of course, about uh, offsetting a natural gas fire power plant or even worse, a coal-fired power plant, of which there's plenty of both in India. And having the solar create the electrons is a far more environmental way to do things. Talk me a little bit through, if I'm going to give you a magic wand. This is the impact positive magic wand for SunVest, Force of Shear. How do you feel? What are the things that you want to touch with that magic wand? What would you need? What would you want? I would want an absolute mainstream customer awareness, consumer awareness program that is taken care of, you know, that's instituted either by the government or by a private sector fund uh, company, but something that hits people emotionally and realize, you know, makes them realize that uh, the benefits of solar are not something that are futuristic and for tomorrow, but something that has uh, immediate instant gratification when it comes to, you know, both their pocket as well as uh, the environment that they live in. I say that because John, you know, in any complex environment, there are multiple issues that we want to solve for, right? Now, when it comes to quality, installers, the rigor of the equipment that we are using, the financing, all of that as, you know, businesses we can solve for. But what is the hardest is to change a mindset in people. And the mindset will only come when there is mainstream awareness program that really hits the people and realize it makes an emotional cord with them to, to, to realize that, look, uh, this is not something that's a good conversation topic, but this is something that we almost owe to, uh, you know, to the to the to the generations that are ahead of us. That you know, clean air, be natural, uh, make your own power. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about awareness being the biggest bottleneck. So you would wave your magic wand and say, everybody in this 1.3 billion person country, uh, I want you to be aware that solar is lower cost than your current source of power. And it is a great employment driver for the economy, which means everyone has more resources and we can live a better lifestyle. Would that sort of be a good summary of what your magic wand would do? You know, a lot of what you said is already there in the way that people are aware of it. But they are, you know, there was a joke in our office back in the day when a lead would call in. We're like, 
uh, are they serious? So one of our early, uh, you know, sales managers, no, he's curious. So that idea of curiosity and latent interest should, because of this awareness program, should translate into a very real serious consideration to go solar. And who do you go that with? What technology, what installer, what financier for that matter? I leave that to you, right? But if there's a listener who's listening to this and who wants to sort of reach out to us and understand the benefits of this, I think that awareness program or that magic wand is to really get to people and say that, I think it's something that you should consider. That's really what I'm trying to get at, that, you know, we move away from something that we feel is something for the future to something that's now right away. Can, can, I, can I please uh, put a little bit of magic wand into your ask as well? I'd like to see Sashir managing a billion dollar lending fund, a uh, billion US dollar lending fund to support SMEs uh, converting to solar and energy storage in India. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe let's have that as the high bar. So how do you fix with the magic wand your capital access problem? It's chicken and egg, right? If you have demand, capital will follow today. Uh, and, but to have uh, the capital come in, you'll have to show some demand, which is where early stage capital comes in. You know, um, if, if we put down 100, 200 loans, I think we would have proved a strong enough business model where uh, there's a lot of uh, capital that will soon follow. Access to finance is one issue. But at the same time, consumer awareness is one issue. So we're standing here with four or five problems some we cannot solve as businesses, some that we can. But the one that sticks out the most, because John, you gave me only one magic wand, is the one that I would do for a, <laughs> a social good, which is everyone uh, realizing. Because if the, if the market improves, I'm pretty sure that we'll figure out, SunWest will figure out its way to, to benefit out of that, right? But, you know, something that affects the millions, that is what the magic wand should solve for. And that is consumer awareness. And the moment awareness issues solve, the market economics take the lead and uh, guys like us are waiting for people to call us in and uh, get us to give, their, give our proposals and our discussions for solar. How did that relationship come about with you and Jinya? And how's he involved in SunVest? Yeah, so I was introduced to Jenya uh, through a friend who said, you know, meet him and it will be a delight. And if he spends uh, 20 minutes talking to you, he may be interested in working with you. But that conversation actually with Jenya, you know, in a downtown uh, restaurant in uh, San Francisco went down for about two hours. You know, we hit it off. I mean, I think I, I think Jenya is someone who sort of uh, uh, in many ways uh, stands up for entrepreneurship. He's been a very successful entrepreneur himself. And uh, I think he, he took some liking to me in the way that, uh, you know, he's really been helpful to us. I think we can all agree that he's uh, definitely a global expert when it comes to PV quality. But I think not only that, but also the way he looks at business, the way he looks at fundraising, the way he looks at what he has done with his business and some of the things that he's taught me, uh, you know, not having the fear of failure, uh, you know, going out and asking for capital, going out and uh, proving traction. I think one of the things that uh, Jenya has always uh, spoken about, and that's something that has always stayed with me, that nothing speaks loud, louder than traction. Right. You can you can mm. you can say as much as you want on presentations and, uh, you know, social media. But eventually the work that you do and the people who have seen that work know this better than anybody else, whether, you know, you're someone who's just talking or whether you actually know your stuff. So a lot of these things, not only, you know, I'm not talking about like light induced degradation, <laughs> that, that stuff yeah. is a global expert at anyways. So that technical prowess we learned from DNVGL back in the day and now with PUL, but also some of the softer aspects that we've learned with Gen- I've learned with Genia uh, through SunVest Energy, our previous installation firm, and SunVest Capital has been 
uh, has been tremendous. I spoke about Jigar and Eugenia. I think the, the fact that uh, I have been grateful to have access to guys like yourselves and uh, those, uh, those folks uh, in an ecosystem that both supports solar as well as entrepreneurship has been something that I genuinely, um, you know, uh, I'm very grateful for. And I think I've learned a lot from all of you and uh, I'm trying my best to take some of those ethos and uh, put that in the solar market in India. So, Shira, I appreciate the the nod for sure towards those folks that have influenced uh, your entrepreneurship. Definitely want to give credit where credit is due. You have become and will continue to grow into uh, the type of entrepreneur that uh, that they have certainly inspired you to be. But I have a meta, a meta question that uh, is bugging me, given that we're talking about access to energy improving access to energy uh, for all, energy equity, et cetera. You know, I wonder, do all successful entrepreneurs in India, in Africa, in other developing nations need a Jinya or have a Jinya or a Jigger in their life? And for developing nations, can this be something that is born from within or must this intellectual capital, so to speak, necessarily always come from these external resources? You know, human emotion and the ways of life are pretty much similar across uh, countries and color, caste, creed, all of that. I think I think uh, a lot of the character-driven suggestions that, uh, you know, I've learned from Jenya and uh, seeing the West are very similar to what, you know, uh, you would learn from the, the wisdom uh, in India itself. However, I think there is a lot of merit in uh, having access to people who've done, uh, who've played the game that you are just about, you know, uh, about to start playing. So when it comes to solar, somebody like Jenya has seen so much that I can get a lot of pointers from him. I can get a lot of network access through him, uh, through him and through a lot of people. You know, John's been tremendously helpful trying to, you know, help us and take our voice out to the West and, you know, in the, in those uh, frames and put us, uh, you know, put us out there. So I, I guess it is necessary to have a mentor. It is necessary to have an advisor, especially in businesses where it's very new in India or for that matter, Africa. But I think at a fundamental uh, level, you know, um, the, the characters for being a good um, solar guy or a good entrepreneur, a good human being is uh, the same across anywhere in the world. So I think some of that has to be innate and learned uh, your own way. One of the things I love that you say it is necessary. And one of the things that we often talk about on impact positive, as well as within the Suncast tribe is this idea of finding mentors, finding those from whom they, they can provide you a template. You have to live into that template. You have to put the work in and, uh, and clearly you have, and you've tapped into the intellectual property, the resources of those who've come before you. So Sashir, with that in mind, I would really love to hear how you pay that forward now as the CEO of a company that is doing this type of beneficial good for your country. How does that type of mentorship and social equity uh, flow out from you into the business that you've created? Yeah, I think, I, you know, I'm still in early stages to sort of uh, prove my own uh, uh, success as an entrepreneur. So I'll be very humble about the fact that I have miles to go before I sleep myself. But I know that if there is anybody out there listening to me, they should reach out. Uh, there's a beautiful video of uh, Steve Jobs saying on YouTube, and anybody can sort of access that, that people have this inherent fear of asking. And, you know, if you ask for help, 
there are people out there that are going to help you but it's just that we don't ask because we're either too shy or we feel you know we'll be embarrassed and i tell anybody that who's done it their own way you know they wouldn't be shy in asking because they asked sometime and they got a help back in the day right so you know i have become more engaging on linkedin over the last few weeks uh, if there are people uh, i mean obviously unless you message saying that i need a job that's different but if somebody wants to have a discussion on entrepreneurship or just wedding a model or an introduction you know i'm trying to do my little bit in paying it forward because you know eventually it is uh, that role that you would have to play of giving it uh, giving back what you got and um, i've i've you know i i'll say another thing here is that uh, you know networking is not about asking as it as it is much as much as it is about giving so uh, the amount of uh, wealth of information and knowledge and uh, access that i've received from guys like john do you know nico i've never met john but i actually know him so well over the last 4 5 years now <laughs> it's amazing yeah it's and amazing the what the internet of, has allowed <laughs> yeah and the amount of engagement right this is not about like a couple of emails here and there it's just about engagement and concern about a common topic and if we can engage like this over internet exactly the other side of the world uh, i'm sure that i can meet a couple of guys for coffee over in bombay or hyderabad or delhi you know to solve their problems and i think that's very critical because if you're if you're not doing that then we're not building the ecosystem we're probably doing something selfishly for our own companies and i don't think that'll that'll last for too long so uh, absolutely uh, trying my best to to give back but uh, you know i've got i've got a long way to go before i consider myself worthy of giving back to be honest you've reminded me of something i like to tell my daughters is always try to lead with generosity and kindness and i think you are really a shining example of you know someone with great tenacity but also with a huge heart doing great work and um uh, we're happy to to be friends with you and and to support your journey so sheer as we wrap up i would love to give someone that opportunity how might folks be able to touch base with you are you on social networks that they might find you yeah so i think linkedin is what i'm most uh, you know that's my platform that's where i'm most engaging with people so uh, you know just search for my name sushil garamella and i will definitely reach out to folks especially guys uh, outside india looking to you know get an opinion on t- or two about how things work here or maybe uh, you know if you're a fellow indian here who's looking to start something or needs a bit of inspiration you know i can share a little bit of my story and in my free time run run a run long distance and uh running marathons is my is my thing and uh this journey over the last 5 years has been no less than a, <laughs> no less than an ultra marathon so happy to uh, you know happy to share uh, uh, some of those learnings and um, you know run together with you for some distance so sure it's great to hear about uh, your personal journey here um the impact that you seek with your business sunvest in india sunvest capital now and if there's any way that our community or either nico or myself can support uh please always be in touch it is a pleasure to have this moment here on impact positive to bring all of us to the same place and uh try and solve this very very challenging moment Thank you John thank you for uh, you know staying in touch for all these years and thank you for what you're doing at New Energy Nexus um you know back in the day John when India's first solar hackathon happened I was there as a mentor and uh, I would urge you to have a lot more such hackathons and we need a bit of a tribe here and uh, we need you to come over and we need to start a little bit of a tribe here and uh, you know get people excited about the cause 
Well, I think that, that uh, you're on to something there. I think 2020 is going to be a big year for New Energy Nexus in India. And I look forward to working more closely with you. And we're going to get Nico over to, uh, to the beautiful land of, uh, of India and the beautiful people of India. Well, thanks so much, Sashir. That was Sashir Garamella of Sunvest Capital, one of India's rising stars in the social enterprise of bringing clean energy and solar to the masses and exploding the burgeoning rooftop solar market. Thank you for joining us again on Impact Positive. We look forward to the next time we get to bring you another impactful entrepreneur serving the world. All right. Thanks so much for sticking around for this episode of Impact Positive. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation with Sashir and also with John as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Solar Warriors, we are so interested in your feedback. What do you think of the Impact Positive series? Would you like to see this spun out as its own series of podcasts and hear John taking on this challenge, perhaps other co-hosts? Let us know. John and I are active on LinkedIn, as well as I'm very active on Twitter at Nico Mayo, N-I-C-O-M-E-O. You can find us both and our Twitter handles, of course, by going to the show notes page. You just click on that listen link, which will take you to the episodes page at mysuncast.com and you'll get the show notes, social media and website links and other goodies covered in each and every episode of Suncast and Impact Positive. And of course, if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll have a sneak peek into what's happening in the world of Suncast and Impact Positive moving forward. And it'll give us a way to tell you what we have coming up, events, activities, where we'll be in the world. You know, so grateful that you chose to spend your time, the most valuable resource you have, with us here again this week. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.